Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Walk podcast with Russell Diver, that's me, and Peter Marsh, that's you, isn't it, Peter? I lost my look, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, still is you, is it? Still compass. I haven't changed my name yet. So, uh... And we are back for the first time in quite a while in our favourite old pub in Borough. Cheers. The Gladstone, cheers. Excellent, and it's great to be back. And the old guy here as well, man in the forts, and uh, serving the beers, which is great. We're going to have. I our... appreciate being called the old guy. <laughs> the old guard. I'm the old um, guard. And I, I'm wondering if maybe we might end up having some more chicken tikka pies today. I've got this sneaky feeling that might happen. I'm only having I'm having one, but you know, maybe two. <laughs> <laughs> and this is our end of season review, and a few other bits as Woo-hoo. well. Besides, <laughs> um, what we're going to do is in the first bit, we're just going to talk about the culmination of the end of the season. There's a few more bits happening, including an amazing game today in the National League playoff semi-final, which we'll get to in a second. We're also going to do the review, that'll be the second part, and then third part we'll probably get on with some other general chat. And it is the occasion we, of the Champions League tonight as we, well. We may also be drinking, so you might hear a little bit more uh, slurring as we go on. <laughs> Not that we've got um, a guilty uh, thing with that happening in the past, of course. However, yes, um, we're, we're here for the Champions League later on um, as well, so we might do a little bit on that. Uh, but I don't think anything could compare with the game today. There's been a great end of season. The playoffs are amidst, aren't they, in the EFL? We've already found out that Sunderland's gone up into the Championship from League One. This weekend, we've got the other two EFL playoffs, and we've got the semi-finals of the National League Premier playoffs as well. So, um, the EFL, we've got, as we're speaking, there's the Mansfield-Port Vale game. Port Vale, 2-0 up still. 2-0 up and a man up. 57 minutes gone. Mansfield down to 10 men. Yeah. And that, that game's looking like Port Vale are going to go into League One. We know Sunderland have gone into the Championship. And tomorrow, as we speak, is, of course, the big game. The richest game in English football, in world football, is, of course, the Huddersfield Forest game. All of that, I'm sure, we'll chat about in future time. However, the National League, 
there's the first two semi-finals today. It was at Wrexham. The, the system's good, actually. I like the system where you have six teams in the playoffs and the two bottom sides play mm. away to the next two sides up, up the pecking order. As it happened, both the away teams won, which is interesting, which is Grimsby and Cheetahfield, sorry, Chesterfield, and then they've now gone away to this weekend, Wrexham and Solihull Moors, respectively. Um, Grimsby away at Wrexham today ended... Wrexham 4, Grimsby 5 in extra time, 4 all at the end of normal time. What a game, Peter. Can you you kind of get your teeth into this? Genuinely a game that had everything. Nine goals, one penalty, two penalties, clear penalties denied. Yep. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was loads of controversy, which weirdly yeah. evened out. In my the, the referee gave it pretty much everything wrong, <laughs> but then yeah, that evened out overall. So it was one of those games where I was knackered after just watching yeah. as a neutral. Let alone you know what the fans must have been going through. Grimsby fans have had a, I mean, a crazy week. It's been like they they went to Notts County on Monday, were one down in on the ninety fourth minute, I think it was, or something like that. They equalised ninety fourth minute, won it in a hundred nineteenth minute, and today they've gone to a game five four match where they've won it in a hundred nineteenth. Yeah. It again and late, late with an ex, with an ex Wrexham player scoring the winner, oh. Hollywood script against the Hollywood owners. It's like <laughs> exactly could not make it up if you tried. You really couldn't. And those late goals, I mean, they put Brighton to shame, don't they? Really, the amount, the amount of late goals they're getting. Yeah. Now they have, they've got a final, got the final at London Stadium to get back into the league immediately, yeah. essentially, which will be against Solihull Moors or their um, their um, visitors, uh, Chesterfield, which will so be tomorrow. Yeah. So far, the omens will be Chesterfield because every single away team has won. Yeah, exactly. What a game this was! I mean, it was there was loads of mistakes in there, both in terms of the referee and in terms of both defences as well. But neither well. team appeared to be able to defend much no. this time. I mean, Wrexham have got heavyweight talent going forward. They've got Mullin, they've got Jordan Davis, who's a former yeah. player. Of, um, Albion. Of, of, of Albion yeah. and, you, um, and, and 23 and um, uh, Palmer as well who was yeah. pretty, it came from Wimbledon they yeah. signed two divisions down to, to join oh, would have been at Cambridge would have been yeah. league one yeah. as well so they, they were an ambitious club they put money into it and to be honest with you they they, they pushed all the way with Stockport and they, both those Stockport and Wrexham deserve to go up but it's not to be for Wrexham they're going to have to have another season where I think everyone in the National League is groaning that they've been knocked out. Yeah, I, I would say that they're always get rid of them. as much as a, of a, short, a certainty for going up because I imagine there'll be more money thrown at them and more yeah, more cash spent and they will end up being, yeah, Parkinson's a decent manager at that sort of level and lower levels and he'll, yeah, they'll go up next season quite comfortably, I'd imagine. Yeah. They might have a slightly up and down start but yeah. after that, but... I mean, it's hard to see how they can improve their strike force at that level. I know. I don't, I, I don't think they need to, actually. No. They don't need to sign anyone. They've already got the best. Because one of those, Ollie Palmer, came in January, so obviously they yeah. didn't have him the whole way through. And I think if they had a dud, he would have been the top scorer instead of yeah. Mullen. It was a golden food winner for the whole division. But um, anyway, I mean, just to talk Well, he did miss two very good chances at the last minute yeah, of the normal time today, yeah. which would have probably won it for them. Yeah. They also have a good save as well from the goalie. He was very good yeah. for goalie. Uh, Crokham, I think, it's time, despite, uh, despite four goals conceded. Yes, exactly. It sounds weird to say, but that's because of his defenders. The, the one I would say stood out to me today was uh, McAtee of Grimsby, who mm. his brother is at Man City and was at one point linked to Albion. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, his first, the first goal he got for Grimsby was incredible. It was fantastic. I mean, he just didn't even look like he was about to shoot and then suddenly arrowed it into the top corner. It was like yeah. right after they'd, they'd gone behind unjustly because Grimsby started really well. Wrexham just barely got out their half and then for the first attack got a... Why it was a very questionable penalty, and then yeah, yeah, there. yeah. I mean, that's right. There, the goal disallowed. Wrexham went one 0 up with a questionable penalty. Uh, Bruce, who then turned it round, but almost immediately yeah. strike it back. Then going ahead two one. 
Wrexham turned it round to three. Completely, I mean, literally immediately, like two goals in two minutes. This was at the beginning of the second half as well, wasn't it? And then Brunswick turned it round to four three. So you had this yeah. complete topsy turvy thing going on, which continued with Wrexham and, and equalising six to four goals. I think from like forty seven to eighty minutes or something like that. Yeah, something. yeah, amazing because it's one yeah. all at half time. Yeah. So the rest of that happened after half time. Wrexham got back to four all. So you think of right? Well, the obvious thing now is Wrexham get a winner based on the pattern to play. But for once, it, it turned off the pattern and Brunswick managed to get back and, very and late. Again, a winner from a long throw. I, I was saying on, on the WhatsApp groups earlier, yeah, I was really, it was so good, to, it was so fun yeah. to see like two massive long throws from like almost the halfway line, kind of causing havoc at both ends. Yeah, they were, they were yeah, proper good. Dave sort of, uh, yeah. and they, they weren't just like looping as well, they were kind of properly whipped in. And Which feels fitting, because Dave Channon yeah. just won the title in yeah. that division with uh, Stockwell. Who, who were the players? I didn't actually copy uh, well. Tozer, the uh, oh, centre-back yeah. for Wrexham, and yeah. uh, what's his name? Um... Not Cribbin for something like that. Bony Cribbins? Not Chopper. Chopper. <laughs> Chopper Harris? Proper, that's proper. his name. Proper. Proper Northern name for uh Proper Northern name, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that from came a Cropper from one of his long drives. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Rather appropriate again, isn't it? Yeah. But, no, fantastic. Uh, and, and, yeah, the two goals scored for the centre-half, um, whose name... Uh, Waterfall. Waterfall, yeah. Waterfall, who's the captain of Cruiser yeah. as well. Who, yeah. who used to play for Wrexham. Exactly. Every time I hear his name, I'm, I'm thinking Stone Roses. do 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 Anyway, no, he's a good player, and that was his eighth and ninth goals, I think, of the season. With long throws like that, I'm not surprised. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you literally never see him without Stoke being up there. You never see him in Premier League these days. You see the old one from like the edge of the area, sort of thing, but you don't see him ever from yeah. arrowed in from the halfway line like you used to get with Dave Channon and things like that. I think I've seen one or two. He belted a couple in as well. Really yeah. good strikes. Yeah, they're not. They're not. Yeah. They're not like kind of. Oh, I mean, with, with yeah. the speed, yeah, in other, yeah, in other games. Yeah. Who was anyway. the um, Stoke player who did the long throws all the time? I can't. Was it oh, Delap? Delap. Yeah. Right, yeah. Delap. Yeah, yeah. Guy with very big ears. Uh, not not well, in, in a way that obviously. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not as bad as or as good if you like big ears as Thomas Frank. But there we go. But he, at least at least he didn't get in the way when he's like take, <laughs> like, take a long throw. Maybe it helped him. <laughs> his trajectory. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, that was that. I mean, fantastic entertainment. I'm sure the two managers will both be lamenting the defensive. I imagine they'll both be furious. Generally, yeah, yeah it's kind of yeah. like. But Grimsby go on. Paul Hurst is building his yeah. way up again because he had a really good job at Shrewsbury and then yeah. took them mistake of Benoit Ipswich which, which is a job that seems to be a poison challenge to everyone now yeah. so I noticed another former you could face another former Ipswich and during the playoff final if I'm just filming yeah. I realised they got Paul Cook now which I hadn't realised that's right he's, he's a good manager and he's, yeah. he's a, lot of, a lot of good managers have failed to do well with Ipswich who yeah. they seem to be a bit of a yeah. a bit of a poison challenge I, I think the really. talent down there is really good and it's interesting that Luke Garrard who's the Boreham Wood manager I think is amongst the best said that he thinks Pete Wilde the, the Halifax manager pound for pound is the best manager there's, there's rumours of him I heard going to Notts County who yeah. just lost Ian Birchnell to Forest Green who lost, lost their manager to Watford to Watford and, and I'm sure they'll, he'll lose his job within five minutes yeah. being at Watford but yeah that's, that's right I mean County have you done think well, that long? yeah maybe not <laughs> He's been, they've been pushing at the door County they're one of the teams that you would think yeah. hoping to step on now they've been down there they've paid the dues so they're, they're a very big team as, as are Rex and as are Stockport obviously all just the, done all up. The, the club side yeah. Yeah, all, the, all the attendances Grimsby averaging five and a half thousand, Wrexham averaging ten thousand, yeah. Chesterfield get two or three thousand, without, County without, get two or I mean, three thousand. You look at it without wanting to go talk about be it the town like a Leeds fan, and I'm not because I don't think that you know I'd, they, these teams deserve to be in there. But if you look at like the Stevenage, Crawley, Morecambe, Fleetwood, Accrington, none of them. Yeah, you know, Accrington they have got a history, but in terms of the fan base and that sort of thing, compared to the top yeah. half of the conference, which is why so many teams who got from the National League do really well immediately. Yeah. Even Sutton, who aren't that bigger club, came close to the playoffs this year. That's right, and, and yeah. 
know, you look at teams like Hartlepool, decent yeah. club with a rich history in the league, but, but I wouldn't say that they're, they're a bigger club than any of those other teams struggling, for example, with another no. club that's come up. Barrow have been in the league, they've been out in the league for a very long time. They're not they're huge, but yeah, you look at some of the ones who... Size. Yeah. But even the ones like Yeovil and Burton, who, you know, obviously aren't that big, and well, I didn't have a league history, went straight through yeah. a couple of years, and yeah. actually I would think Stockport... I would say they've got a fair chance of, and Wrexham once they do go up will have a fair chance of going through the league well, there should be three teams going up don't they every, every yeah. match so. I don't understand why three teams go up from league two and one team goes up automatically from from the comp, from national league I'm just like well, four, team, four, four yeah, teams three, three teams automatically up from one team yeah yeah um, yeah, I, I, I really don't like that because yeah. it's an anomaly. I think we've said um, before we should even it out and have two up from yeah. each, or in one playoff from each division. If it needs rebranding, then fair enough, I think, yeah. really, if you want to call it League 3, because there's so many big clubs there. We haven't even mentioned teams like Torquay yeah. and Southend and Aldershot and various other teams that yes. were in the league before who, who have, have been nowhere, really. I actually wouldn't mind rebranding the actual playoffs in the league as the same as the playoffs in the um, non-league, the Pearl. Having the six teams. Yeah. yeah, and having home legs for... for it was just given, I, th- I do think I think playoffs are needed I think it's a great thing but I also think that maybe having a third obviously it's had ridiculous now that Grimsby have uh, yeah. gone, gone and won it, it would only take slightly longer in terms of time because you, you'd have one single matches with the, the higher ranked team yeah. at home um, for that game which is fine yeah. but obviously you need to leave a couple more two or three more days rest time yeah. before you can have another match whereas with the well I think we just do one weekend one weekend one weekend rather yeah. than having hmm. like mid- midweek midweek and then a gap yeah. of a week and a half or stretch over five days or whatever yeah it's, it's yeah. doable anyway. so yeah I, I just don't understand I, I think they should they reformat them because you don't I mean look at Albion and what happened to us after we lost to this time. I think having a, a break for the team who just missed out on all that promotion potentially yeah. Yeah. Is actually a good thing, you know, kind of giving a break to that team because the only ones who are top two are meeting is tomorrow with Forest Huddersfield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the only. I mean, if you look, if you go down, there's uh, something. If you go it? down, it's Sunderland were were the highest team, but Wickham were lower than MK Dons. Although to be fair, yeah. MK Dons got knocked out, so I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> Mansfield won despite being the lower team. Yeah. Obviously, the National League could be end up being sixth against seventh in the end. Mm. Although, obviously, that's the other format. This is what Chesterfield yeah. Grimsby if it, if it ends up in that. Yeah, yeah. could be third against yeah. sixth, or it could be sixth against seventh. But I was interesting because I, I watched. I've called up with some games today, so I watched that match on a bit of a delay because I was also catching up with last Sunday's game, which of course was the FA Trophy. Sorry, not the FA Trophy, the FA Vars, the, um, the smaller of the two non-league tournaments. Um, where Littlehampton were involved so you've got for anyone that doesn't know the FA Trophy is for top four levels of the non-league FA Vars is for fifth tier downwards and Littlehampton and their opponents Newport Pagnell better known as the service station but there is a decent town in um, you know in the Milton Keynes area um they're, they're both basically amongst the top level because yeah. they're in the they're in the fifth. Both Littlehampton were singing at them like you know we have, you know we love memory or something like that. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're just a service yeah. station on the M, whatever it is. Yeah. No. Um, what for gap? What for gap? What for gap? <laughs> yeah, mind the gap. What for gap? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean overall though, I think um, you know they're they're in the top divisions of that of that category, and and Littlehampton went up as champions of their division, so they they will probably go in as favourites of the game, but they were well beaten on the day to be honest. Um, I think it was just one of those days it wasn't happening it wasn't clicking uh, their set, set piece specialist was missing um, the interesting bit was Pattenden uh, this is Lucas Pattenden brother, brother of brother, Jasper brother of Jasper of Worthing of course who, who, got, seen, who got sent off didn't he against Brighton in, in, in the uh, Tussock Senior Cup didn't I, oh, I, didn't, I didn't follow that yeah did he okay, I yeah. Think that could have been a damaging moment for them because he's one of their best players and by all accounts from what I've been hearing on the Rebel Yell podcast 
um, he's off. He's going to be going quite high up the rankings from Worthing's new level with the National League South. He's a good, he's a good player, and there's, there's a lot of interest in him. There he's, aren't many players around called Jasper, uh, but his brother Lucas Pattenden is. Um, he, he's, he plays in the same position. I think they both have the number seven, don't they, on their jerseys? Um, and I honestly could not he, say he that. plays the same role as attacking right sider, and he looks identical to him. I don't know if they're twins or not, but if they're not, then um, they might as well be. They've got exactly the same look, and they play in the same style. And he, he looked, it looked to me as if he was one of the key players they needed to shine and to do something in this game. And I don't think they. He was quite able to do it. I don't think the link-up play was there. They looked a bit overawed. I think they they were rushing their passes a bit. There was too many stray balls, and they were trying to rely a little bit on kind of well, just not very good quality counter-attacking actually. And Newport Pagnell sat in. They kept their shape, as Adam Virgo said, keeping their shape won them the game, which I think is true. They did look the better side on the day. So well done to them. Congratulations to them, and a hell of a first goal. From, I think it's Bailey it's, oh no Barnes his name Kieran Barnes um, there was a corner nudged out took a bounce then he hit it on the on the next uh, the next bounce up caught it absolutely beautiful really really difficult technique goalkeeper had no chance that set them on the way and they ended up winning 3-0 but um, it was uh, entertaining to see Littlehampton there both sides have never been there in their histories before so it was it was a great day out 7,000 sellouts for both sets of supporters and there was a few Wrexham fans and other people in there early as well so it was a good day for what they call non-league finals day um, which has been going for about six years now and I think having the FA Vars and the, the higher ranked FA Trophy tournaments on the same day is a really good idea so so that's, so that's that Peter you've been you've been scouring through to try and have a look at the um, the patent and send off at senior I can't read what that says I haven't got my glasses Basically, you said it was right, yeah. Yeah, so Patton was sent off in the Senior Cup. That's all I got to. Straight red in stoppage time. Well, it's got 4-2 in the end, yeah. yeah. So they retain the trophy, is it? Retain it? Yeah, champions of Sussex. No one else has ever seen that. No one ever saw it, mate. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. So, you know, so Little Hampton, I mean, they... I don't know what happened with the other cup, but they had the potential to win three others. I'm not sure it's happened. Well, it hadn't happened before last weekend, I think. Yeah, no, I, I might have done since. I'm not sure. They were playing Sorting in what I presume is a divisional trophy. They'd already won a trophy. It's not the FA Cup then. No, it's not the FA Cup. No, they've won some other trophy and they've won the league. They got promoted into Hastings Division. Hastings got promoted into Worthing yeah. Division. Worthing got promoted into the National South. And it's one division away from the game we were talking about yeah. today. The standard, well, defending wasn't great, but the standard of the attacking play was pretty impressive that's one division above where Worthy are moving into I was going to say this, like, so talking of National League South the playoff final last weekend Dorking equalising late, very very late on an injury time having conceded yeah. in 91 minutes Dorking have been promoted they've, they've existed for 23 years as Dorking yeah. Wanderers although they've moved and I think they've been promoted 20, uh, 13 times 12, 12 times 12 in 23 times, years yeah it's like around that in 23 years with no relegation yeah. so that is that a is phenomenal genuinely in, I mean all yeah. the, they were like well below the Sussex County League yeah. before yeah. they were weirdly played in Sussex initially they were, they were playing Sunday yeah. football they were playing yeah. pub teams literally pub yeah. teams yeah. and then they moved into yeah. randomly the Sussex Senior League it's out, even though they're in Surrey it kind of like it's a bit yeah, of a weird yeah it's from the border though it's yeah. much on the border and so they, they played I think they were four 
promotions in the pub league, four promotions in the Sussex Senior League, and then another yeah, it must be four in the yeah. in the in the top eight division. Very Australian. ambitious club. They had, they they loaned Callum um, Keeley to Worthing's, who was a key player in the second half of the season for Worthing's. Yes, he was doing. He was at Worthing before, wasn't he? Then signed yeah. for them. Yeah. And I think um, essentially they were very keen to um, see uh, Worthing were very keen to see Dorking get promoted on that yeah. basis. They might have more chance of keeping him. I think he is staying actually, and they've signed some of the key players. Um, Aaron at the back, so to speak, <laughs> and Ollie in the tank. They both sign new deals, so they're um, going to win the national league. <laughs> south, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's good. Congratulations to Dalton. They've done brilliantly. That's a superb yeah. story. It's good to see. I mean, it's nice. They must have money behind them. That's what's I think they have. They've only been at the new ground five years since yeah. they merged with. The, I mean, Dalton Wanderers were twenty-three years old, and yeah. they've yeah, they've gone from. That will create some animosity for some some people, I'd imagine. But it is good to see what you can do. They're, they're playing. You know, twenty-three years ago. Or 20, 26, 27 years ago, whatever it was, Oldham were in the Premier League yeah. and Dorking didn't even exist. Yeah. And they'll be playing each other next season. Yeah. That, no, is, that is genuinely mad. It's like kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is really and actually, you wouldn't bet against Dorking coming higher next season because Oldham are a mess. Yeah. And, and Dorking yeah. obviously have got quite ambitious owners and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's just great. When you say that, it's like literally they, they were. I mean, it wasn't even like they were, well, if they were, when they were, they were about 15, 16 apart, but yeah. at that point they didn't even exist for like 30, exactly. 30 years ago, something like exactly. So there we go, so congratulations to all those that have got promoted. Um, there's a really good episode of the Rebel Yell podcast. Really good to see York come up as well. York, yes, yeah, they, they've gone up alongside the Gateshead International yeah. Pram. Um, yeah, Same for Brackley though, they played well up there all season and mm. they, they've not yeah. quite made it, but... Yeah. And for Wrexham, missing out today, they missed yeah. out on the on the FA Trophy as well last weekend in the follow-up game after Littlehampton on the same day. So, yeah, disappointment for them, but that'll go again, I'm sure. The Hollywood boys were in town again. Yeah. Uh, but, you yeah, know, I mean, to be honest with you, it's a big club. They're getting 10,000 crowds. I think they'll be... I, I'm, I'm actually happy for Grimsby. I actually kind of want Grimsby to win because I think Wrexham will go up again next season easily. Yeah. Whereas I think Grimsby, Grimsby may not have done... Yeah. They probably Hurst, I think that's his second or third spell with them, by yeah. the way. I know you said he's gone off to Shrewsbury and Ipswich. Yeah. He, I think he got them up before, yeah. and then oh, things went pear shaped and he left, got sacked or whatever. And he, he's definitely been. I think he may have even just left to get a trade for him because they were losing higher, possibly. Yeah, it might have been that actually. Yeah, but it's good to see. No, he's, yeah, he's he was yeah. As I said, like Ipswich was just a wrong job for him. Yeah. I think he's, he's obviously quite a good manager and he's rebuilding his reputation. And Rob Beckett was there with his um, his comedy mates, one of whom is a Grimsby fan. So he's in the away end of Grimsby today, which is quite amusing, looking very sunburnt. Yes, he's not a classic Grimsby fan, <laughs> you wouldn't say. And looking a bit corky, unlike us two, of course, slimline physiques. Um, I'm looking very spelt now, you know. Very, yeah, a very heavy football season. Of course we're looking in fine fettle. Ahead of your wedding, Peter, of course. Yeah, yeah there well, seems to be fitting into you, though. I have actually done that, you know. <laughs> so before today, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> See how we go after this and on no, that we've, note we're, we've, bo- we're both fitting our clothes at the moment we've, we've emptied no. our first pint which was a yeah. very nice pint of Duke Session IPA not um, Duke not to be confused with the dog not Duke the dog Peter's dog no Duke's not with us today Duke and it's been very nice we're going to break now for probably some more pints maybe and a little bit of food and we'll be back in part two with our review of the Albion season
And so, fully fed, fully watered, we are back with part two, Peter, which is the review of the season. I'm not section. sure fully watered is it? Well, we, we can carry on watering. Slightly more watered. We've all more watered, yeah. I'm on the uh, the great Gypsy Hill Brewery Stout, which is called, what was it again? Applauded or Applauded or something, or something oh. like, yeah. Applause, maybe. You've had a couple of jukes, what are you on now? I'm on uh, Siren. Slam. Siren, yeah, yeah. Marvellous, good stuff, very nice. Okay, well. Let's crack on because we're of limited time because your friends have showed up a bit early. So we're going to do a, a quick run through of the review of the season. Um, a run through of the review. A run through of, of the review that we've reviewed I thought the review before. Was really we reviewed shit. It, yeah. I thought the review was really shit. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was bad. Should we do it again? <laughs> so, so no, the review of the season. So obviously ninth place, best ever finish, best ever points total, amazing record away from home, a load of improvements to certain players. Um, some good signings that are looking promising loads and loads of really good things uh, weirdly we've had a season with loads of draws and a run of defeats as well but overall it's been a brilliant loads of draws isn't that weird because we had loads of draws most that's season, true yeah but it's been a brilliant season in general yeah. hasn't it yeah so um, let's, let's just take it um, we'll, we'll come to um, player of the season vote by the way which we've been uh, reaching out to our listeners to our friends our colleagues associates. our associates our, our uh, contributors that have been on the show um, and we'll give those results out our shortly. Pets. So stay tuned for that. Can you get our pets as well? Yeah. Can you guess who's won, everybody? Well, we'll come to that in about 10 minutes' time. Connolly, I think, was that my guess. Yeah, Connolly is the nailed on favourite, isn't he? Obviously, he got two goals in the League Cup match, you know. Don't you know. Anyway, um, against Swansea, by the way, for anyone that cares. Um, so, the review of the season. Let's go month by month then, very quickly. Just a quick skip through of it. Um, so, it started in August, and it started rather well, didn't it, Peter? Four wins in five, I think, at the beginning of the yep. season. The only disappointment being losing at home to, well, champions-elect Everton. <laughs> Hang on, what went wrong with that? Um, yeah, so, we, no, we had a good start, didn't we? We did, yeah. Great first win at Burnley, where we were, frankly, pretty awful first half, and uh, came back second half really well, and probably eight goals from Mopay and Callister turned it round. Yeah. Uh, comfortable win against Watford, who were dreadful at the MX to, to make it, yeah, with, uh, with Duffy and then Mopay scoring. Yeah. Winning against Cardiff in the League Cup as well, which, uh, with Modder and Zakiri scoring in that. Yeah. Um, to make it 2-0, uh, pretty comfortable with quite decent. There's a few youngsters of getting games. And then, yeah, there's this point to the to Everton, but then before we had Kukurea, we didn't have any, and I think both March and Lamptey were missing, so we had no wing backs at all. Kuku didn't make his debut to the Brentford, Brentford game, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, with Kuku making baby at Brentford, we won 1 0, and yeah. then beat Leicester 2 1 to go to go into the top three or four, I think it was in the Premier League, with four wins out of five. Leicester game obviously a little bit controversial with uh, yeah. Mopé's penalty being questioned by Leicester and also yeah. then their two And we squeezed the win against Brentford as well, so we'd had a bit yeah. of fortune, haven't we? And then a 2 0 win against Ponty as well in the League Cup was. Uh, mm. Little did we know when we won that that we wouldn't win again until Boxing Day. Or that Aaron Connolly would never score for us again. I know, but we might have an idea about that. <laughs> yeah, so good start to the season, and I think we've, we've picked up where we left off. We've improved yeah. on certain things. Definitely, I think, having a good point so early doors helped us, didn't it, really? It kept it, us away from the, all the bad stuff when yeah. we were like really struggling. So, so as the season wore on, we were never really yeah. under genuine threat of relegation, were we? Then no, we, even after 11 games without win yeah. and six defeats in a row, we never really... We were never dragged right into it, although another couple of defeats or another couple of games without a win, we might mm. have been at one point. Yeah. And then we moved into October. No, we were still in September. Oh, no, we're still in September, yeah. We're, we're uh, no, away to Palace, so oh, obviously, yeah. you know where this all, all goes, you know, they... 
obviously were beating us and you know they were loving it and it was great and I've only got one question I don't remember what happened after that why did they let it bounce I don't know it was, a, it was a difficult decision you know but they just thought they'd just give us a goal it was very nice of them um, really well taken by Mope 95th minute that was uh, yeah of all the last minute equalisers of the season that was uh, pretty epic we, can I just it? say at this point as well in terms of the podcast I think we had um, why did you let it bounce or something like that as the title of the episode yeah and we also had Potter's Potty picks in Pottersville yeah. or something as one of the others, which which are two of the most. He played Lalana and Gross in midfield, right, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. So those are two of the most favourite. Um, I also remember the titles. I also remember the, so the Caxton having a pint of uh, why do they bounce that you had at the time as well. Oh, that was that sensational. Was, uh, Love it. When we were going after the Arsenal game, tour, we all had like pints of why do you let it bounce? <laughs> so yeah, into uh, October, which was slightly more in- inauspicious. Um, it was not that great. We. We won major exception, which was yeah, obviously at the, at the end of the month. The we drew nil nil with Arsenal, Norwich, Arsenal. We were all over them, hammered them, and yeah. should have beaten them really. But Very didn't have any guilt edge chances. It wasn't like the Leeds and Norwich games that came later. There was no real kind of ones we had to score. It was just yeah. kind of we didn't quite put the final ball in the box. And then Norwich was just a really poor game, yeah. as both of them were. We both made um, our separate ways up there to the Carrow Road, and we met up. I know we came up. Yeah, the weekend. Yeah, we did the day trip and. Um, do you enjoy this weekend in Norwich? <laughs> good, good, good lad. Good Didn't lad. have to see the football though, so that was good. That's why he enjoyed his weekend in Norwich. Yeah, then we had a, a, obviously a bit of a hammering by City where we kind of played into their hands, we played a very high line and were three down in half an hour. And We've really not practiced it. I know we got no. the 3 2 win, but certain no. circumstances. I mean, to be fair, they are probably the highest, hardest ones to crack in a sense, but. We get to beat Chelsea, the one we get to beat of all of them. So that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've, we've got closer and we've done better against Chelsea. Whereas, yeah, other than that one game, where, two, yeah, nothing to play for, and mm. yeah. yeah. Then we lost to Leicester in the League Cup on penalties, which, quite, to be fair, not a bad result. We we played quite well, and then the month, the result of the month, by quite a distance, two draw at Anfield from. 2-0 down to the point where Mane scored a third and first was disallowed game of the season was, yeah I mean I was there for that it was a uh, in hindsight now it was worth the 8 hour journey back on a Sunday <laughs> at the time it wasn't I forgot about that. the 8 hour journey back on oh a Sunday oh my god <laughs> now uh, sitting here now I'm glad I went because I missed quite a lot of the big what, games what a result season. I mean we're sitting yeah. here just ahead of the Champions League final where Liverpool barring one or two quirks on the last game of the season could have been going for a yeah. quadruple today they're going for a, a cup treble they are one of the best teams of all time as are Manchester City and the fact that we came from 2 yeah. down not only to draw but arguably to have deserved to have won I think yeah, did allude to that and Trossard did score an offside goal the 2-0 I mean they had two goals in as well obviously we've got to say they've yeah, had one let's, let's and they had the goal at 2-0. Yeah. It has to be said at 2-0, I didn't feel that they just, they, we were we were out of it in terms of the way we were playing. We were, we were playing very open. There was a lot, a lot of end-to-end stuff, but we just weren't taking our chances. Would you say this, then, is, one of, this is our best performance of the season? Arguably, yeah. I think probably. It's I mean, debatable, isn't it? I mean, United just didn't look interested, and there are other yeah. ones obviously up there as well, but Tottenham away probably is up there. But yeah, I mean, the way we played, we, we didn't deserve to be two down, and we scored two of the best goals you'll see, mm. I think, probably ever or whatever. I mean, Mekko obviously won. Mekko obviously won goal of the season for his, although it's not the sort of goal I, w- I would vote for normally. Yeah. Um, I would much more vote for the second goal, which was from Trossard, which was as, as with the, the, as with Kukurea's, no, as with um, Grossi's goal against Man. You started off with a brilliant pass from Sanchez. Um, and ended up with a really Tadukarea, good move down the wing, and then into into the box. How often these long passes, yeah. either from Sanchez or Dunk or someone, yeah. 
end up with Kukurea yeah. with it, a brilliant first touch loads then, of, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. it was a really well worked goal nice ball from Lalana into Trossard who yeah. dumbed it initially and then sidestepped his Robertson and into the corner and yeah, yeah. I mean if anyone was going to win it later on I think Lamptey came on and it was the first time we'd seen Lamptey where he since he'd come back after like two or three games where he looked like he destroyed the when he came on he yeah. came on about half an hour left and he was he dominant they couldn't deal with him and hmm. yeah it was it was very very uh very good game, very nice, very good day out. Yeah, brilliant. Not so, so good next day, but <laughs> November then obviously wasn't so good. Two rather frustrating home results. Newcastle yeah. where we dominated for an hour and then let them equalise and after that were pretty poor. Yeah. And Leeds where we were dominated throughout and didn't couldn't get and the goal. Scored. Yeah. yeah, and then Villa away where we were it was a nothing game where it should have yeah, been 0-0 should have been 0-0 but we've yeah we didn't, we chased neither the game team deserves to win 2-0 was just because we were well, we chasing really the game we just fell apart at 1-0 I thought to be honest I don't think we even put men forward they just sort of like they woke up and we, we should have stopped that counter attack for the first goal yeah, the Watkins goal shouldn't we it's, a, it's an attack where we should be more cynical really in a yeah, way you should, should have take the, taken the book in on halfway line or even on the halfway line but just not I mean it was a really good goal to be fair but yeah it's one of those ones where it's frustrating because we shouldn't have let it happen. Yeah. So now we go on to the month of the late goals. Yeah, late. We became the late goals. We, we had three away games in uh, in December. Yeah. All of which were one all. All of which we scored late on. Although uh, the Chelsea away wasn't as late as the other two. West Ham obviously was crazy overhead kick from Mope to make it one one all in the ninety fourth minute down to ten men. Yeah. Then. Then um, Southampton was a. Uh, Crazy goal from Mope to make it with, <laughs> yeah. with ten men late on. Mainly crazy because of their, their bizarre defending of the free kick meant that Mope was off onside, even though he should have been miles offside. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, mm. yeah. Because their keeper had a knock, but it's like he didn't tell, he didn't go off, which he could have done. Yeah. Um, and then we lost to the other disappointed lost to Wolves, where we had loads of COVID, and because we're Brighton and not like Tottenham and Manu, who both got we our games game cancelled. Yeah, yeah, both got their game cancelled against us because they had lots of COVID in their camp. But we didn't get our game cancelled because we're Brighton and no one gives a shit about whether we've we've got players who are ill. You cynic, Peter. It's almost like who have thought it? Um, and then great result against Brentford in front of like two men and a dog, basically, because that's all that could make it at, like eight o'clock on Boxing Day in the middle of COVID. Boxing Day eight o'clock in the middle of COVID. When you're relying on public transport and there's no public transport running, it's like genius. <laughs> it's like yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a great result and we we played really well. Trossard and Mope, really good game, and then staff that was the start of seven games unbeaten, which continued with Chelsea away. Well, Beck's late equaliser. Great game, that. Which I, yeah, sadly wasn't at, but uh, well, Well, Beck's late equaliser, and the, the Chelsea fans trying to hold on to the ball when they were winning, yeah. and then eventually a guy kick, trying to kick it over his own head into the crowd behind. Instead, he kicked it into the face of his mate right next to him, which was immensely amusing. I mean, he could have kicked it into his own face. That'd be more. Funny. Yeah, it would have been. That's the only way it could have been better. And yeah, and then a moment later, we we got the equaliser, which yeah. meant all their time wasting had been to their own. I, I, I was watching on Zoom with my mate Dave, who's a Chelsea fan, on uh, while we were but we were away over between Christmas and New Year, and uh, um, yeah, he was not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved it. Great, great but day. On the way, not surprised. I think it, was, it, it looked like it could easily happen. And then, decent January, we we drew, we won three two at Everton on second of January to to complete a really good kind of Christmas period. Yeah. Um, and then one at West Brom in the cup, which yep. was a pretty ordinary game, but um, yeah, we kind of turned it around. Pace scored a goal in that game, I think, didn't he? Which I think was unusual in as much as he yeah. doesn't normally play cup matches, or he had no. 
Mm. I think Welbeck maybe played the previous one or something like that. Yeah, no. yeah. And then three one all draws in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. Home to Palace with a late own goal equaliser. Yeah. Then home to Chelsea with Webster's powerful header. Yeah. Which I watched the Everton Cup in 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 because there was that it was uh, we were down to in Wales that week. And then a one all draw at Leicester with Welbeck scoring. Yeah. Hmm. Decent result again. And then a seven game unbeaten run in the league continued after we lost to Tottenham in the Cup, which we won't talk about. Um, we won two yeah. at Watford, which was uh, another Mope. Mope's last goal of the season. And, uh, one, of, one of the doubles um, completed yeah. that we did the season. And for being one really of the others. good. Yeah, yeah the, two, the other one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Webster poked in from from memory of a tackle or he put in I think he, he couldn't quite score and then he tackled the guy and it went into the net or something yeah that's right that mm. and then less said about the next six games the better we obviously lost to Man U which not surprising although we were unlucky I think in a lot of ways got stuffed by Burnley beaten by Villa in a rather poor game again 2-0 by Villa yeah. uh, lost at Newcastle when we basically didn't turn up for the first 20 minutes and can boss it for that reason oh, that lost nice. to Liverpool deservedly lost to Tottenham Pretty much deservedly, two 0 was it? Yeah, both were two 0 Yeah, and so you get to January to, to wait problem. Some of us who uh, had visions of that like, people staying doing okay in the Premier League and not necessarily going down with thirty two points, were, were kind of slightly still slightly concerned a little bit. And yes, they were, weren't they? Other, other people who <laughs> who, who, who were completely who chilled out and would relaxed. be fine with thirty four at that point. Well, thirty one, thirty one at that point, whether it was or thirty two, thirty three. I think we had. We already yeah. had thirty three. I think. Is that right? Or 31? 31, I think. Yeah, might be 31. Mm. Well, we're more worried. Mm. Someone, someone was getting restless, wasn't he? Awful draw in Norwich, <laughs> where we had 31 shots and had, mm. I think, four on target, where we only really tested Cruel once, I think, all game. Mm. And that was, a, to be fair, a quite a kind of like reflex one from Beltman that actually yeah. he couldn't do anything else with. Can I just mention at this point, I was smoking cigars after Boxing Day. I knew we were going to be fine after that game. Just so. Just so. Yeah. And... So and if, then, you're, if you're listening, Andy Bravery, yes, I know I predicted 33 points would be the safety safety margin, and I know that wasn't the case. But I was only two out in the end, just two out. Yeah, but you wouldn't have been happy last game of the season. With no, I wouldn't have been points. happy. No, definitely not. No. <laughs> and then at half time that last game of the season, you would not have been happy with 35 points. Yeah. So, and then so we come into the the, the run in, which was obviously North London is ours. But two weeks in a row, you and I both missed Arsenal away, where we won two one. Yeah. Um, through Trossard and a brilliant goal from Wepu from a, a, a fantastic cutback from Casado making his first league start. One of the goals of the season yeah. contenders, and we made up for missing that, didn't we, by the Tottenham game? But anyway, yeah. yeah. So Casado came in at that point, which is one of the, one of the reasons that we turned it round. Thing we had a lot better more in midfield. Wepu came back, although he was in and out a bit more the last few games. Casado stayed every single one of the last eight last eight. Nine, eight games um, and then yeah next weekend having missed Arsenal away and being really fed off both of them but pissed off about that went to Tottenham early kickoff, contained Kane and Son pretty comprehensively and then yeah 89th minute as well, 89th minute in front of our own fans yeah. Trossard gets the winner we almost did give them a goal straight away afterwards because they had a, a guilt edge chance and how they maybe missed it pretty comprehensively as we well. We know how to make it difficult for ourselves yeah. but that was a great... I only realised how good a chance it was. I mean, I thought it looked yes. a good chance anyway but I only realised how good a chance it was. I think at the time I thought it might have been offside but then I realised no, it wasn't even close. 
Um, uh, Trossard, though, to be fair, brilliant finish. Brilliant yeah. finish. And, yeah, it was... Yeah, and the scenes afterwards, yeah, it was such a, such a great afternoon afterwards. Limbs in the away yeah. and then and so we, Brewery, and what, what a great day out that What was. an evening that was, yeah. Bit of and sunburn. We went we, on another well, we'd have gone there tonight, but we weren't worried about them shutting at 10 o'clock in the gym, because will get it for time. Yeah, exactly. And so, then, but then, yeah. so then we carried that on to the next home game, 2-0 two, two with Southampton, mm. after tw- half or 20 minutes, 1-0 after like t- 2 we minutes. Sh- we shouldn't have lost that. We shouldn't, uh, not, we shouldn't have dropped posts, so yeah. Mm. I mean, a slightly dodgy free kick given to them for Ward Prowse because there's a clear foul on Cooper Ray in a build-up before he, would, he then fell their player. I mean, um, get, get the wins against Norwich and hold out for that for that win. We're in Europe. Yeah. Gutter. Anyway, anyway, I digress. So, yeah, so the Saints game was annoying, but the other games around it, the, the, other games yeah, plus so the game afterwards. Up, yeah, which you went to, obviously, at Wolves. was a yeah. very good day out. I measure, From what I've heard, it's done like a comfortable win comprehensive they were pretty poor and very, we were very. we were dominant yeah. and then I mean it's hard to hard not to think of this in my favourite game of the season we're going one nil at home to Man U at half time and you think <laughs> we've dominated them we've hammered them they can't be a bad second half worry worry yeah. worry yeah. I mean I think I think most of the Albion fans on the ground were like that you know, we've been in half time one up so, so many, many times, times. Yeah. and they, the other team turn it around second half and then yeah. 15 minutes later we're four up and it's yeah, it's, it's just heaven. I think I was just watching that, looking at the scorecard every, a scoreboard every like ten minutes, was going like, I can't. This is really true. It's like, and you've got that stat about Cristiano Ronaldo, who's famously got booked and got, got yeah. shaking his head because he, compared with Tomley, he should have should have got booked if, if you compare the two scenarios. Tomley should have got booked four or five times in a row, didn't, and then Ronaldo did one yeah. indiscretion and got booked. So there's that that whole thing. Then there's a later. Point I, I'm not sure he was shaking his head because he got booked, though. To be fair, at the uh, yeah, just after no, no. Goal. I think at that moment he was, yeah, but later but, he yeah. was standing there with hands on hips, shaking his head with a, a rueful smile. And I think that was my favourite moment of the whole afternoon. Now you've got one of the players that could claim to be one of the well, the greatest of all time, one of the greatest of all time, definitely. Um, in a team that's got thrashed 4 0 by us, and that's not happened outside of, I think, is it Liverpool and Atletico yeah. and Barca or something? Are the only teams, there's three teams, I think, that, yeah. that, um, that he's not scored against where there's been a four goal margin or something like that. There's some kind of snap. And how delicious was that? Brilliant. It's, it's well overdue, having, wasn't it? Having gone to school. In North London, the time where Manu story hunters were like kind of right, so all, you know, right, all, all the kids school Manu fans. Well, obviously a lot of Arsenal and Tottenham, and a bit of like one or two West Ham, and there was a well, not randomly an Oxford fan as well, oh, right. and me, yeah. and a few Barnet fans. But yeah, there were quite a lot of Manu fans as well, and. So that one's for yeah. you, Peter. I know. If you told me in '93 when I was like secondary school, when all these Man U fans that we then end up beating them four 0 right? About thirty years, just under thirty years so later. That, that one is for you in 1993 yeah. at school, and it's for all the other Albion fans in 1983 yeah. in that cup replay, which happened to be a four 0 scoreline. So oh, yeah, we we it. still owe Man United for all of the shitty luck we yeah, have with decisions. If anything, we deserve more. We hit the post. Yeah. They yeah. hit the post for us, but I mean, McAllister probably should have. Got there ahead. Welbeck got came very close at the end. Yeah. There was, and in general, you know, it just good look like we were just Sanchez, so to be fair, made a couple of good saves. But it was it was mm. until four 0 that he made those saves. Yeah. It was already four 0 at that point. Delicious. And I mean, it was it was one of those things where you just sit there and it, football does not get any better than this. It's right. like I don't understand yeah. where we go from this point. It was a proper festival party yeah. atmosphere, wasn't it? Everyone was just buzzing. They knew it was something special because we've not done that before against a Man United or anything. No, we, like we've that. won by we've got score four goals in the top flight and we've 
beaten top teams, but we've not combined the two. We're not stuffed the exactly. top team yet. Yeah. And it was just a great day. It was yeah. a nice, nice weather. Although it's a big detail this week. Many nights are rubbish, so you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's always, always be about that. I don't understand it? why someone, t- yeah, criticised the BBC telling the truth. It's yeah. like. Just be honest. Well, then, then came the worst moment of the season, which is our second in a row occasion of failing to beat Leeds, which I'm sure is to your chagrin completely, Peter. Uh, I mean, to be honest, that weekend it wasn't really my main focus. Though. No, that was the stag weekend. Yeah. So you, we just went out and had a couple of small glasses. A couple of, of sherry, sh- was yeah, it? Uh, I think it was something like sweet that. Sweet sherry. <laughs> <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. Um, a couple of bats. <laughs> so we weren't there with all the all the wig bound Albion fans going up to Ellen Road or Bell End Road as I call it. And um, we you know, we we won it up, should have been four or five nil up at half time by all accounts. Yeah. Ended but up. They even then having lost it. in the second we've been poor in the second half, well back Mr. Sitter yeah. and Ted Lasso turned it around for them in the second half, but he couldn't yeah, they got the equaliser. In the end, they did survive, but not because of that result. We we can no. console ourselves with the fact that made no difference at all to lead survival. It was all about the fact that Burnley lost Leeds one on the final game of the season. So, and we can tell that Burnley went down as yeah, well. Exactly. I mean, and also by the fact, as that in the, the words of uh, Will from the from the Inbetweeners, it's like uh, when they're going in the film, they're going to, I think they're on tour or whatever, and they're. There's like Burnie fans being loud and oh, shout yeah, abusive yeah. on the on the coach, and he's like, "Can <laughs> people ask if I like football?" I say, "Yes, yes, I do." <laughs> But not Burnley. <laughs> Burnley can fuck off. <laughs> and they have. They have. They have indeed. And they may they not have. be back for a while. No, I think judging oh, by their, they're going to lose quite a lot of their, their key players. Their, their board has got no interest in investing. And Tchaikovsky is out of contract. Stealing, yeah. say Tchaikovsky. Or Tchaikovsky. Not Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky is definitely out of contract. <laughs> Tchaikovsky is. Um, McNeil will probably Hope will be off. Hope will be off. Um, yeah. Probably Cornet will be off. Seeing some off back to his loan deals ending. <laughs> 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 exactly, yeah, that's right, yeah. This famous loan deal that isn't a loan deal. Um, Dale Stevens might even leave. He might, no, he's out of contract. Yeah. Ashley Barnes, we can you know. get him back, we can get him back. Um, but it was, that was They've the lost penultimate word. weekend. They've lost words, yeah. Lots of people have. Um, but no, we. I knew I'd line you up in there. <laughs> Final weekend of the season, of course. It was against another of our favourite Clarendon and Blue sides. We'd like all the teams of Clarendon and Blue, don't we, really? Burnley, they're, they're Aston Villa, West Ham. They're in my top three Clarendon and Blue Premier League teams for this season. <laughs> that you dislike. <laughs> I actually don't have an issue with West Ham, to be honest. I've no, a, I do. I've, a load of home I've got, I, I, yeah, I've, I've not really seen that much of, it, of the issues every, there. Every, every away game I've gone to, there's been uh, some unpleasantness of one sort or another somewhere. So I'm absolutely delighted that we finished the season in style, coming from behind to win 3-1. Uh, thoroughly deserved. I think the first half we weren't great in that match. First half we were poor. West, I think we said like the last half. We were we were poor. West Ham were better, but didn't really create the thing. Second half, West Ham were poor. We were a lot better and created loads. Yeah. And actually, three one again flattered them in the end. Yeah. Welbeck missed two good, very good chances before he scored. So there again, were other we ones. Could've, we could have done more. Certainly, the season we could have yeah. could have done more. And I still think it was a foul on Dunk for their goal. Yeah. We could have done more in, in defeat, in victory, or in draws. Yeah. We could have done more. It's, it's a recurring We've also thing. drawn a lot of games late on. True, that's true. Yeah. But it shows, not, no, no, but it shows there's, there's so much potential for growth still. Same, if I was off a ninth again next season, given the amount of money that the yeah, likes I'd of t- Newcastle and Villa and that sort of team... Never to my bounce yeah, back, yeah. I'd take I'd, it. I'd take it. Top half definitely. has got... The same thing has got to be the target for next yeah. season. I'd even take 11th or 12th probably. Yeah, we, we want Europe, and I'm sure Tony Bloom's thinking, hmm, could get Europe. But in reality, I think all of us, him included, would say we would take yeah. the same next season. I've, I've already agreed with Fee that if we get played Dynamo Tbilisi away, then I'll, we'll, we'll take a trip. So she I wants to go to Georgia. Go. She wants to do a trip to Tbilisi. Totally so, uh, to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> 
Georgia on your mind, have you, Peter? Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so that that was the season. We ended up on fifty-one points. That was the season that was. It was the season that was. Right, a bit of radio reference for you audio fans out there. Um, but it's you know fifty-one points, brilliant that total. Was the, whatever number of weeks it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've mentioned there, Basuma. Obviously, the first half in that game against West Ham, he was poor. We were poor, yeah. and he was subbed off, and more pay came on. But Basuma, I think he apparently had been under the weather. Yeah. To be fair, however, it's a bit of a shame if that ends up as it probably will be, being his last game because last season he was our player of the season player of the season I vote for this season coming up in just a moment but um he was all Brighton stands for the season last season it was just a ridiculous Leeds yeah. hijacking for some oh I'm ignoring I'm, that I'm still not quite sure why they hijacked the vote but what the point was just to show how much they loved him or whatever I, I just That's disregard that vote but I'm talking about the Brighton oh, yeah, no, one was the only, was one, the only one that the players matter the only one that matters yeah that's the one the players really look out for, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it, you guys? Um, the last None season, of players, players, or fans, <laughs> players. It's like only the small proportion of people listen to the one podcast. Very quickly on on Basuma, so he's probably likely to go. There's a lot of talk about a lot of heat being around Kukurea. That there's there's some serious interest coming in from big big clubs at the moment. That's just on this side of the. Uh, of the channel so to speak I don't know if it's going to come in from abroad as well um, we're, hopefully we want to keep Kukurea for the time being we don't want that to happen we, we probably would all resign ourselves and be quite happy to, to see the scenario where Basuma goes with our blessing this season well, having served us well there's two as far as I see it there's two positive uh, outcomes for this summer either Basuma signs a new contract which seems very unlikely at the moment he'd have surely done it by now if he'd have taken the pay rise that surely he yeah. surely he'd have got yeah. or or um, yeah. or he or he goes for a decent fee. Yeah, exactly. There's no, I don't. There's no point keeping for another season and losing on a free transfer. Either way around, we'd, we'd be happy, wouldn't we? Yes, yes, yep. Um, so we'll, we'll see how um, we'll see how that goes. Peter's being intervened with. <laughs> that just sounds so wrong. <laughs> I know, that's why I said Funny that. Funny Chelsea fans turning <laughs> up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, dear, oh dear. Oh, dear, dear. Anyway, we've, we've already had a, had a go about Chelsea, and we now we've already... Yeah. They can't beat us in the Premier League. Uh, and then Liverpool can't beat Chelsea, actually. But anyway, anyway, we've got... Um, so, back well, digression at the end. So, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, cup finals, that's true. But not not in normal time. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, so, that rounds it up pretty much for the season. The Sumer probably will go, I think. If we can get a reasonable fee from... I mean, he's been a brilliant signing. We've goes with our blessing. Yeah, exactly. He's, and we can reinvest. He has gone from, like, well, he signed him for 15 million. He was in and out of it under Hugh and initially under Potter as well. But yeah. since lockdown, really, yeah. he's been our best player by a distance overall, I'd say, probably. He's been yeah. superb. And, I mean, if, if all things were equal, he'd probably go for, like, 50, 60 million. Whether we'll get close to that with the contract situation and all that, I don't think we probably will. But... I mean, I think, yeah, if all things are equal, you go for more than White, I reckon. He's a better player than Ben White. Yeah. Well, player of the season for 2021-22 season. Have you got a podcast of the season? Have we got what? Podcast of the season, do you say? Uh, well, I don't know. I can't think of any podcasts that I like, really. That Brian Rock one's awful. I meant podcaster, rather than... Oh, podcaster. I think it's got to be, it's got to be Peter. Someone's playing some annoying music in the background. 
of a Chelsea variety. Pete's Chelsea friend has turned up in the background just to explain what that is. Right, here we go. He's Pre not my friend, he's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> player of the season, right. So we've had loads and loads of votes, tons of them in. We've got, we've got a voting system where you, you pick your top three, three points, two points, one point for your, for like your, for your three in order, yeah. Nil point. So we've had an overwhelming response, which has been brilliant. Just a few comments from those That's that we've so had. That he was literally adding enough as we went along. <laughs> um, Nick, Nick's voted for Kukureya, Veltman and then Morpe, but he said honourable mention to Danny Welbeck and to Grosh. Uh, we've had um, interesting Wedge, friend of the show. He's gone for Kukureya, Sanchez and Veltman, and he said really tough between Sanchez and Veltman, but for me, for his quick and... Ad uh, his quick adjustment to the Premier League for his commitment, his humility, his flair, his energy, his reliability, his defensive strength, his attacking intent as a, t uh, as a team man, as someone who is clearly grounded and has a massive emotional bond with the squad, the club and the fans, head and shoulders above for me. All I want for a team is Kukureyas, he says. So that's from Wedge. We've also had uh, comments from... Steve Ferris, friend of the show, he's a referee, of course, as well, you might remember him being on. He's gone Cucurellia, then Veltman and Morpe. He said Cucurellia just for the massive hair, also one hell of a player. Um, he's gone Veltman, best 900,000k we ever spent. 900,000k? Um, That's a lot of money. It's like 900 million. 900k. <laughs> yes, 900k we've ever spent. 900,000k is like, I don't know what sure he is. That's me, not Steve. Steve did put the right <laughs> details down. Best 900k we've ever spent and has shown um, the bidding of 63 million worth. significantly higher than the world record. Peter, will you stop interrupting? We're trying to finish this podcast. Right, bidding off uh, 63 million worth of defenders, we've conceded less goals, which is a good point. And three, his choice of Neil Morpay, bit patchy latterly, but crucial goals and some top shithousery changed the game against West Ham. This is the, the earlier game, obviously, and reminded the homophobes what the score was. Oh, sorry, no, that's the second game. Second game, yeah. Yeah, he scored the equaliser of the first game, of course, is that too. He changed the game. It no, no. Yes, I know. Uh, special mention also to Pascal for his garage turns, and despite calls from the bedwetters, showed his absolute class. Um, aside from that, we've had a load of other responses. The interesting one is Jack, one of the only people not to pick Cucurella as his first choice. He went Basuma, Duncan Cucurella. He said if Basuma was ob obviously staying and had a bigger hair, he'd be everyone's number one. Uh, he said slightly... Well, um, it's, it's just, well, I, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think Basuma's paid enough or consistently enough this year to be even close to number one. True, but Jack did say he's been out of the stratosphere at times this season, which is also true, to be fair. Not as much as last season, I'd say, and, and I, I, I don't think he, his form has been patchy in a couple of spells, whereas Kukurea and Veltman are the two, to, for me, who've been consistently good, even in our bad of yeah, worst patches. fair enough. Whereas Basuma's form dropped significantly yeah. at one point. yeah. There is that, there is that. Tony Bowden says Kukurea, Veltman and then Morpe. We would not have finished where we did without his goals. He also said, I want to nominate Alzate for player I would have liked to have seen more of, if that's a category. Uh, to which Chris Jonas, another Seagulls of London member, said uh, Sarmiento yeah, as well. Sarmiento's Absolutely. And I, I'd go along with that too. Tony Brown, friend of the show, Brighton and Chelsea fan. Explain that one if you will, Tony. Kukurea, Veltman and Basuma. Uh, Jackie's gone Kukurea, Veltman and Grosh. Player I'd like to have seen more consistently is March. Pete Richardson went Kukurea, Dunk and Sanchez. And fourth is Morpe for his key goals. And an honourable uh, mention. Fourth is nothing. <laughs> it's nowhere. 
Uh, Janet, uh, other half of Chris, said Kugurea, Veltman and Basuma. Prior to injury, I think the modder would have been in the, in the running for second or third place. So I nominate him for the player I would have liked to see more of. Um, then there's a number of other votes from Seagulls Over London members. Just to mention Duncan Rouse, friend of the show, Kukureya, Trossard and then Veltman. He's gone my favourites for the season. Um, but Grosh would have been a strong contender if he'd shown his recent form all season. And well, Coke. general view that he's been put further forward uh, you know, recently, hasn't he? And, he? and it seems to thrive on it, whereas when before he was like much more, much deeper in midfield and having to do a lot more work as well as kind of like... You know, he's, he's actually yeah. been, they've found the right position for him recently. Yeah, have. I really hope he signs a new deal now because he's looked superb recently. Yeah, I do too. That finish on his, on his left foot. Yeah. So his wrong foot on Saturday. I mean, it was a brilliant move anyway on last Sunday, but. That, that finish on his left foot was brilliant. Yeah, from absolutely true. And, and Rich, friend of the show, he's got in touch to say, really enjoyed the West Ham episode at the end of the season. Best ever, he said so far, which is brilliant. He liked the, the pre-match, the post-match I mean, and the, the jury match. Crap, yeah, the rest have been awful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's given us his free... actually adequate, whereas the rest <laughs> have been poor. <laughs> <laughs> Rich has gone Kukurea, Melbourne and the Dunk. So the final scores then for our player of the season. I think it's already obvious from the snippets that I've plucked out who's going to be yeah, Conley's top. Here is the voting then. So, so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven people have had votes. One of them, and I, I am looking at you, Wilt, uh, as we call him, uh, Vinny. Uh, Peter Ward has got one vote for one point. No, eleven. No, eleven people were picked. Yeah, including Peter Ward. Yeah, Peter Ward's picked. Yeah, he's been picked. Yeah, he's 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 still. Oh, have been picked. Have been picked. Yeah, I've been picked. I'm sure there's a lot more people who've commented. No, 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 no. No, loads and loads of people commented. But millions. Basically, three points for the first choice. Two for second. Philippines fans. I don't think I have. No, I don't think I have. Three points for your first choices. Two for your second. One for your thirds. And the points totals in general have gone in this ascending order. Peter with one Pascal Grosh with one to be drawn with Peter Ward commendable he should be honoured for number one and Pascal Grosh Morda got three and that's just from one vote you'll notice from what we read out earlier Moore paid five points Sanchez eight including a point from me um Donkey eight Biss nine Ali McAllister, McAllister 14 and then we come to the top three an honourable mention to Ali Mack actually had a good season in the end when is he Num- coming back yeah number three is the Andro Trossard Ooh. with 30 points in number I'm just two, taking his hand now number two, two position, <laughs> second position is well probably the, one of the best bargains of all time what a great player it's Mr Veltman with well done. 54 well done Joel as they get called <laughs> And in first place, by a matter of a mere, I think it's 72 points at the top of the charts, a player who all the big clubs are looking at, or I'm looking at you in the background, Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. Um, Chelsea are, are looking at him. It is, of course, Mark Kukarea with 126 well done, points of the vote. And what a player he's been in his debut season as well to have been as good as he is. I think he's, he's been superb, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely no question. He was. He was clearly player of the year in I think every category, including the players, which is always good as well. You get yeah. you got the players one as well. So yeah. well done, Mark. He is uh, he's been superb, and 
He likes 15, the wigs as well, apparently. Fifteen million pounds that we cost. Yeah. It's like, I mean, and there's talk of fifty yeah. mil plus. Even the ridiculous ones are talking about thirty, yeah. and yeah. we're not going to take any. We've got four years left in contract. Yeah. We're not taking anything under fifty. I reckon. Yeah. If Chilwell exactly. can go for fifty, then uh, and Mendy and players like Peter that. Peter says, looking over his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. or City pay for it. Start fifty million with fullbacks, don't they? Yeah. But if they're interested, yeah. they start, their, their fullbacks all cost fifty million minimum, don't yeah. they? Indeed. So time is moving on. We've got our bodies to turn up. So we've got to socialise now. We might do a little bit later post Champions oh, League. Got to socialise. It's like some sort of like hardship. The champion. Yeah. It's all. It's awful. I, I struggle. You know. Yeah. Uh, the Champions League. If it's got any any way of living up to the National League Premier semi-final that, that happened today, then I'll be very glad. We're looking forward. Well, to I that. hope they're getting them into the players. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to like compete with Grim. What's up? You guys want to be a five ball? Yeah. Perfect. And we are indeed going down now. So we're going to round off this episode now. We might come back with an epilogue, but if not, we'll sign out in the usual way, Peter. We hate Chelsea. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> we'll do that later. Uh, so, Peter, over to you to sign us out. Stand or fall. Up the Albion. And so, we imbibed ourselves of further drinks. We had some lovely food. Chicken tikka pies. Oh, you've got to love them. And we watched the match. And the match finished 1-0 to Real Madrid. Congratulations to them. It wasn't the most remarkable of games. Um, Real scored from their only shot on goal. Liverpool had the best of it by far, particularly in the attacking third of the field. Um, but Courtois was the man of the match. And two saves in particular um, probably were the, uh, the telling difference between the sides along with Real's goal of course um, one particular save by Courtois from those two uh, from Mane um, was really an excellent save and really made a difference to them so they go on to 14 wins um, which is the double tally of the next nearest club which is Milan with seven Liverpool for their part remain on six which in, in turn is double the next of an English club with three Manchester United but Real Madrid with their 14th title go marching on they just really cannot stop winning this can they eight successive finals have been won by Real Madrid incredible stuff anyway as I sit here talking on the Monday I've got to quickly sum up what else happened at the weekend and then go on to a little bit of a rant about what else happened in Paris so what else happened at the weekend in terms of football? We had the second of the National League Premier Division um, semi-finals. Remember, they had that spectacular Wrexham-Grimsby game we were talking about earlier, which finished Wrexham 4, Grimsby 5. Um, incredible. Uh, the second one was Solihull Moors against Chesterfield. And for the first time out of the four games to decide the finalists, it was the home team that prevailed. Solihull Moors winning 3-1. So they go into Sunday's final uh, of this coming weekend against Grimsby Town, who won, of course, that other match. Meantime, in the uh, that's the National League. In the EFL, League Two came to its conclusion with a game I think we've already alluded to the result, but just to sum up and to confirm, that did finish Port Vale 3, Mansfield 0. A very proactive, ambitious and um, forward-thinking club now, being very well run by all accounts in recent times after some... Sometimes pretty much in the doldrums. Congratulations to Port Vale, whose manager, Daryl Clark, was quite emotional and dedicated the win to his daughter, who sadly passed away a few months ago. So an emotional moment for him. Congratulations to him and to Port Vale. Um, and we'll see how they do in League One next season. Um, that's pretty much that. Just going back then to the Champions League. The, the game itself was of no particular note, but what happened at the stadium both before and after the game, was something else. That really was of note, and not for good reasons. We've had 
Of course, in the 80s, some serious incidents. Heysel, Hillsborough, we know what's happened with that. And so, given the back, backdrop to that, to have Liverpool fans going to a Champions League final in Paris and to have them congested, bottlenecked, cajoled, pepper-sprayed and basically abused by the French police and then to have the blame attached to them in terms of, in this case, just turning up late to the game um, has some rather unpleasant undertones. By all accounts, there were some Hillsborough survivors in amongst the crowd attending the match or trying to attend the match and they were being held up for some time. This is all disturbing and it's disturbing because it paints Liverpool in a bad light when, when Liverpool fans, by all the accounts I've heard from anywhere, were pretty blameless in what happened. Essentially what happened was, according to countless reports, including from a number of credible journalists, amongst them Carvey Solical, who did a five-minute report post-match on what had happened, he was describing how the fans were signposted and then cattled through a certain area, an underpass by a bridge, um, through a certain area. They were checked for tickets at least on one occasion, I believe on at least two occasions, before they got up into an elevated area above that, uh, that area, which was outside the ground and was just outside the turnstiles. When all those fans got into that area and others were joining in behind, they were unable to get through the gates. Turnstiles Y and Z were the only two turnstiles that were supposedly open for access for Liverpool fans. Not sure why they didn't have more available. There were more turnstiles there, apparently. Anyway, regardless of that, they weren't letting anybody through, it seemed. Hardly anybody was getting through. The, there were accusations by the, um, the stadium authorities that there were a number of counterfeit tickets. This was not substantiated. Nobody, none of the journalists who were on hand, None of the eyewitnesses could say that they had heard of any fake tickets. The only one example I can think of um, that I've seen reports of was a ticket that was given um, by Andrew Robertson, the, the fullback for Liverpool, to a friend of his, which was a sanctioned thing to do. Um, that ticket was given to him to do so by the club, which, of course, originally came through UEFA. And at the turnstiles, that ticket was apparently a counterfeit, according to the stadium people. They didn't know what they were doing. That clearly isn't a counterfeit ticket. How the hell could it be? And if it was, why? Um, the French authorities in this matter and UEFA and the French police have collectively been a shambles and a disgrace. They have coloured the game in a bad light after what happened on Saturday. Essentially, they've, um, they've they were not letting Liverpool fans in, regardless of whether they had valid tickets or not. And there was a countless number of fans who were claiming they had... You could see they had genuine tickets from the way they were talking about it, where they bought them from, etc. They weren't being allowed in. They couldn't move back. There was a crush developing because people were being moved around. They were being moved around, not least because... Some of the police came out through a gate, were very aggressive and heavy-handed. There was one vis visual image of a policeman punching a fan who was simply remonstrating at being pushed back and about the crush that was going on around them. Nothing more than that. And he was assaulted by the police. The fans were tear-gassed on more than one occasion. There was a huge number of examples of pepper spraying by the police as well, including a fan who was trying to get in with a genuine ticket and was getting it swiped and was pepper sprayed regardless of that showing as a, as a genuine ticket. That's on film somewhere. Carvis Oracle, as I said, the Sky, the prominent Sky chief senior reporter for Sky Sports News, 
in matters related to football. He was there. He was at the game, uh, at the ground, and he witnessed what was going on. There's a BBC reporter who was on this morning, Monday, Monday morning, on TV, talking about a similar experience. Liverpool fans were remarkably restrained. They weren't acting in a disorderly way in any way, shape or form, and yet they were being tear-gassed, pepper-sprayed, um, and assaulted, essentially, in various ways by the police, simply because they couldn't cope and the, the, the disorganisation by the authorities, by both the French authorities and by UEFA, was simply inadequate. It was shambolic, in fact. And to that end, Liverpool fans were in distress. Some of these people, as I mentioned, were Hillsborough survivors. And regardless of that, no fans, whether it's the elderly, women and children, disabled fans, all of whom were present in amongst these crowds, and who were all getting streaming eyes from, from pepper spraying, um, it's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace and should never happen. Passers-by just outside that area were also being affected, who weren't even Liverpool fans, weren't even going to the game necessarily. That is a disgrace. And all of the reports are suggesting that Liverpool fans arrive late. This is a blatant lie. All accounts I've heard is that Liverpool fans were arriving at least two to two and a half hours before kickoff. That's not late, is it? And some of them were there three, three and a half hours early. They still couldn't get in. In a number of cases, they missed the game. That is ridiculous. It's simply ridiculous. Now, if those fans weren't arriving late and they, they had valid tickets, why were they unable to get into the ground? Now, what's happened is, after initially blaming the fans, the authorities have then gone on to say, actually, there was a massive, in fact, an industrial scale, to quote the French minister, sports minister, an industrial scale of fraudulence going on with regard to ticketing, either on phones or paper tickets, don't know which, but either way around, industrial scale fraud, claiming that 70%, that's 70, 70% of the tickets being produced on phones or in paper form were fraudulent. How can that be possible? I've got friends that go to major events like this and they've said that's ridiculous, it's unrealistic to say that that number of fraudulent tickets would have been present. It's, uh, it just seems farcical. Anyway, that's what they were saying was the case. Well, if, if people like Andy Robertson's friend are getting turned away with what must be genuine tickets, 100% nailed on guaranteed, how many more cases were like that where fans were being turned away when they had genuine tickets? And adding to these fictitious numbers that the sports ministry and the, Fr the French sports minister and the interior minister have made up to, well, to pass the blame, to pass the buck, to scapegoat, it wasn't their fault. They weren't badly organised. The police weren't heavy-handed more than necessary. That's what they, the picture is they're trying to paint. And yet, that is exactly what the case was. The, the police, we already know, in, in all of France, Italy and Spain, all three of those nations, they have a bad reputation for the heavy-handedness of their policing. It's panicky, it's full-on, it's over-the-top, it's indiscriminatory in terms of the violence with battening and spraying and... Well, in, the, in one case, as I said, punching of, of supporters to try and gain crowd control. They have a major problem with hooliganism in France, as manifested also this weekend with Saint-Étienne, who've just got relegated for the first time in 20 years. They had a relegation promotion playoff uh, against rivals from the division below. <clears throat> they lost, I think they drew at home, lost on aggregate, something like that. Fans invaded the pitch in large numbers and fired fireworks horizontally at the players on a large scale. There's been incidents of, of fans, children, women and children, 
and players all being assaulted on a number of occasions in France. They have an issue with hooliganism there. But what they've done, those French police, is they've taken this edgy, over-the-top, heavy-handed approach with supporters who have done absolutely nothing wrong. They've turned up in plenty of time. Whether or not they've had drinks is neither here nor there because they've behaved fine. They've behaved with what has been described as remarkable constraint. And yet, they have been pepper sprayed. Why did this happen? It was the crush. They were, they were, they were, they were worrying about the numbers. Well, they should have controlled those numbers. And if anyone didn't have um, valid tickets, why were they allowed through into that later stage just outside the main turnstiles? Why weren't they funneled out at the earlier point, at the earlier ticket checking area? That's the question. What has also been suggested is that this issue was only going on at the Liverpool end. They are trying to imply that the English were the, were the, uh, were the um, culprits in all this. Why did they turn up late? Why didn't they have tick the correct tickets? And why was the disorder only at one end? Well, it wasn't. This is another misrepresentation. Again, going back to Carve Solical, he's, he's an excellent journalist. He, he's a man with um, very reasonable and measured approaches to all the subjects that he deals with. He's, um, he's an articulate guy and... He's, you know, he's, he's not prone to any kind of exaggeration. And he's saying he'd been at both ends. He'd seen what had happened at the Liverpool end, but he'd also been round the other side and he'd seen what had happened at the Madrid end where the 20,000 Madrid fans tickets were uh, to, to be accessed. And in both cases, what had happened was that gangs of French youths turned up trying to get over the barriers in both those areas. They were trying to scale the gates, in some cases succeeding. There were apparently a lot of successes in the uh, Madrid end of the, of the pitch, uh, of the ground, in this regard. And yet they were able to do so. And the pepper spraying may have been in reaction partly to that, but what, what happened was absolutely out of order. Fans at both ends of the ground were harmed by the actions of the police. There was a lot of trauma involved for a lot of supporters. That is a disgrace. That should not be happening. And I'm not pretending that the English are squeaky clean. Look what happened at Wembley. The, the behaviour of the supporters, so-called supporters in that instance, turning up on, a, on an epic scale and all just trying to storm in is a disgrace. Disorderly behaviour, lawless behaviour is not to be condoned. But there is blame also to be applied to the authorities for not having stringent more stringent measures to stop fans from getting in so we're not we're not blameless in this but the french have a bad reputation for this disorder and um, in terms of the organization also the french police for their heavy hand in this also uefa for cocking stuff up they cocked up the europa league final they had the, the authorities there weren't organized well enough the stadium didn't have any anywhere near adequate enough numbers of food and drink options. Um, fans were standing around in 30-degree heat. They couldn't get water. That's not acceptable for a major event. This isn't a humanitarian crisis. It's a major sporting event in a first-world country. Why the hell is that happening? And also, why were they held in so long after the game as well? Absolute disgrace. So, it, so UEFA has form. That's just two weeks ago, or whatever it is. You know, this this is happening far too often. We've seen other tragic, more tragic scenarios as well, such as Cameroon in the AFCON. But nonetheless, keeping it with the Western European theme, they're, they're not organised well enough. And it's as simple as that. And they're, they're scapegoating to blame it on Liverpool fans. Liverpool fans, as far as I can see, did nothing wrong. There's one fan trying to get in. He's getting sprayed in the face with a valid ticket as he's trying to go up to the turnstile. How is that acceptable behaviour? 
let alone the disgrace that's happened since, which is on Monday morning, the authorities got together to analyse what had happened and to come to some conclusions. Those authorities comprised the French Ministry, the French authorities, including the police, UEFA. Where was the representation from any journalists slash eyewitnesses in general slash supporters who have had difficulties, genuine supporters? Where was the representation from them? They've all come to the conclusion that fans arrived late and that there was loads of fraud going on, when actually the reality is that that is simply a lie on both counts, a simple lie. But nobody can argue about that because they all got together and decided themselves. They're going to misrepresent this. They're going to avoid blame. They're going to evade blame, on, as they always do. UEFA, I've been, as you know, probably know if you're listening to this regularly, I've been a, uh, a staunch critic of UEFA, as I have with FIFA as well. And this does not help, does it? It just, it just tries to paint English football fans and Liverpool football fans in particular in a bad light. There's history here, and the history of what happened before with Hillsborough was a gross misrepresentation and gross negligence, as far as I'm concerned, by people that are supposed to be looking after the interests of the public during a major sporting event. They failed to do so. Thankfully, in this case, nobody appears to have been seriously harmed. However, that wasn't by chance, that wasn't by design, that's by chance. And yes, the more modern stadium is less likely to cause problems than a crumbling wreck such as Hillsborough or Heysel. However, nonetheless, that's not good enough. It's simply not good enough. It's a disgrace and they need to be held accountable for this because people could have been harmed. And what also happened, by the way, after the game, when fans were coming out of the grounds, this is at the Stade de France, which is in Saint-Denis, which is one of the rougher areas of Paris, and Paris is a rough city at its roughest, it has to be said. We'd already seen lots of examples of French youths and gangs turning up trying to get into the ground. What happens afterwards? Well, French youths and gangs uh, preyed on all of the supporters coming out of the ground, the tourists, the Liverpool fans, the Madrid fans. In both cases, those fans were set upon. They were mugged, they were robbed, and they were by multiple gangs. Well, this was happening on a widespread level. You talk about industrial-scale fraud. No, no, no. Let's talk about industrial-scale disorder by local youths, not properly prevented from doing so by the police. That's the one damn job the police should be doing because there was no disorder amongst the, the genuine football fans. They should have been stopping disorderly local youths from attacking people attending a major tournament in a first-world country. Why is that not able to happen? Well, they, they tried to do something about it to an extent. They pepper sprayed or tried to pepper spray them. But what did they really do? They pepper sprayed more of the football fans themselves, the victims of the muggings after the game, some of whom would have been pepper sprayed before getting into the ground in the first place, if they were lucky enough to, to be able to get into the ground. They were attacked again. There was more batoning, I'm hearing reports of. And the police just didn't do enough. Simple as that. It's an absolute disgrace. Anyway, that's really coloured the, uh, in a bad way, the, the events on Saturday, which should have been a showpiece occasion. It's Europe's golden jewel event. And, well, it's turned into a bit of a farce, really, hasn't it? And I don't know what the fallout will be in the longer term over this. But what I do know for one thing for sure, there's going to be misrepresentation of what's happened. And that is an absolute disgrace. So anyway, that's that. So, moving back to happier subjects, or at least vaguely happier, the Albion. One or two more bits of news. First of all, it seems that 
Agreement may be close to being made between the Albion and Newcastle United over the departure and move to Newcastle of our sporting director, Dan Ashworth, who's been serving his notice on gardening leave. The club not letting him come back towards the, um, towards the premises. He's got to stay out on gardening leave. Um, but Newcastle weren't able to appoint him because agreement for compensation hadn't been reached. Rumours of five to six million being the figure that Albion may be wanted. There are rumours now going around on certain social media outlets that agreement is close with suggestions of a £3 million figure. I have no idea if any of this is true or accurate, but it does seem that there is an agreement moving towards conclusion. OK, in one sense, I'm quite happy with that, that we could finally get an agreement and get some compensation. On the other hand, though, um, I don't really want Newcastle to get them any earlier than we, uh, than we absolutely need to. But... We'll see. We'll see how that goes. That's one bit of news. Um, another bit of news is that Kukurea, our player of the season and Albion's player of the season, has voted for by us at Brighton Rock, by the fans in general for their fans' vote and by the players. He's a fantastic player. He's only had his first season with us. He's hit the ground running. He's got hair all over the place. He's absolutely magnificent. What a player he's been. But he is only in his first season, just finished his first season. And unfortunately, there are rumours abounding now that he may possibly be on his way already because there is serious interest reported or rumoured from some of the big boys, Tottenham, Chelsea, and probably most crushingly, Manchester City. If any or all of those rumours are true, it does seem if the price that is right that he may be off. But what would that price be? Suggestions of £30 million. It seems unlikely to be so low. More likely, I think we'll be looking at doubling that or thereabouts to get a figure that would be suitable for Albion to lose such an asset so soon. He's not part of the succession plan yet. He's supposed to be with us two to three years. That will be the ideal scenario, as was the case with Basuma, who will probably be off this summer. Cuckoo's not the one we want to lose at this stage. We probably need some backup for him as it is. But if we need to replace him... That's going to be a complication, but we'll see how things pan out over the summer. We will be having some podcasts during the summer, so we will give you some updates as and when we hear some more information. But that's one bit of Albion news as well. And the other bit is, also related to Kukurea, uh, the player of the season vote. We announced the results for player of the season. Don't panic, we've got them right, but we have forgotten to add some other details and information. Um, So we've had some other votes put in, which we hadn't accounted for. It hasn't affected the overall totals, but we do need to sum up and update the final scoring. So here we go. So Kevin Markwick, friend of the show from the Picture House in Cockfield, in, in um, Picture House in Uckfield, said Kukurea, Dunk Webster. I like this solid attacking defence we have. Scott McCarthy said, "Hi Russ, I suspect we all know who is winning, who the winner is here, but I'll go Kukurea Grosh." That losing run came with him out of the team. And Veltman at number three. Brett's gone Kukurea, Veltman and Morpe, just for the limbs. <laughs> um, Nick Schapanik, friend of the show. He's gone with Kukurelia as his first choice. Veltman is his second. And McAllister is his third. He said Ali Mack is the unsung hero of the season, I think. So versatile. Some of the tackles he made in the Basuma role in the second half against West Ham were fearsome. I agree with you, Nick. I think he's he's been excellent. He is an unsung hero, and I am on record as being a big fan of his. And I think he's got a lot more to show as well. I think he's still growing into the roles, and I think he's getting better as the seasons go by, I think. Uh, we've got a lot more to look forward to with him. 
the Dogma Boys, who we had on, of course, as well. Um, they've gone with the following. Parker has gone Veltman, Dunk, and Tony Bloom as the third choice. Um, James went Veltman, Kukureya, and then Dunk. And Rich went with Kukureya, Tross, and then Biss. So thank you to the Dogma Boys. Um, we also had a late entry from Raymond the Gent, who went with Kukureya as his first choice, Trossard as his second, and Sanchez as his third. He also added a, a young player of the year as Caicedo. A number of people also mentioned people they wish they'd seen more of for various reasons, either to do with injuries or being out on loan earlier in the season or just being introduced a bit late. And, and those those names really included Mwepu, Caicedo and Sarmiento as the main ones but um, we'll we'll see um we'll see how it goes next season certainly so here's the final totals anyway so with the updated information this is the full list in ascending order tony bloom and peter ward were one vote at one point each adam webster also with a point pascal grosh and jacob moda with three neil mope with six um, bobby sanchez with nine bisuma with 10 donkey with 13 ali mack with 15 now and the top three remain as they were. Trossard with 34, Veltz with 65, and an overwhelming winner with more than double the points total of anyone else is Kukureya Kuku with 146 points from the voting. Thank you very much to the large number of people who contributed their votes and their participation in the voting here. Um, thank you all for uh, for giving us your opinion, your feedback, and your extra notations. And yeah, Kukureya is a very worthy winner. Let's hope he is back with us next season. To be honest, I think it is too soon for him to be sold. But fingers crossed, um, we will either get a ridiculously large fee for him, or we'll see him in the stripes again next season. That pretty much sums up this episode then. We will be having some more episodes during the summer. We hope to get in two or three special guests. We have, we have got an episode coming up, um, a special feature including some book, film and other um, covered features. So we've got that coming up. In the meantime, again, if you can, please rate and review us. It really helps with us on the, on the algorithms and all that other jazz, particularly on Apple if you can review us five stars. That would be absolutely fantastic. Also, on a purely voluntary basis, if you would like to be a Patreon of uh, the podcast, you can do so. It's for as little as £1 a month. You can sign up to subscribe to pay um, a, a, a nominal amount to help us, which will go towards probably funding some microphones in the first instance. Thank you again to our patrons so far involved. And uh, if you do want to do that, you can check them out on www.patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Brighton Rock Pod with capital B R and P from Brighton Rock Pod. So that's www.patreon.com forward slash Brighton Rock Pod. Thank you very much for listening as always. That sums up um, all, all matters really for the active part of this season just finished. It's been a good one. Let's hope for another one in the new season coming up. And in the meantime, we'll see you, or you'll hear us rather, for some more pods during the summer. Stay tuned for those as and when they pop up. In the meantime, stand or fall, up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.